Today on Panelism, it's She-Hulk, Medusa, Dazzler, Captain Marvel, and Sister Grimm in a sci-fi and magic tale. Welcome to Panelism, a podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. Hello, Taylor. (laughs) Welcome to another episode where we're actually talking about comic books. Yeah, we were talking about country music just now, so we'll we'll leave that aside. (laughs) A a topic it sucks now. (laughs) If you're wondering, a topic that could not fit less in our format <laughs> yep yep so that, that you we don't have to burden you listener with with that yeah. discussion yeah, we, just, we won't yeah <laughs> uh, just 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 know the words creative credibility came up quite a bit <laughs> so which uh, those can, that can apply to comics you know we i mean one of the things we we revel in on this show is is saluting and honoring all the creators who absolutely go the extra mile and you know really try to deliver something new and fresh and interesting so right and it is uh we are absolutely thrilled with the <laughs> resurgence or surgence or whatever you want to call it of comics is Whereas, it a resurgence i mean would you call it a resurgence eh, i don't think so i think it's just surging yeah it's, i was going to say it's, you know people i've heard that that term used a couple times now deliberately where there's like the resurgence of the comics industry and i'm like is that from a that that can't be from a sales point of view because i don't think the sales are any bigger than they were at any other time i do think it's definitely from a um you know diversity of content and and points of view like and not even like it doesn't not diverse diversity in terms of like culturally but just like all kinds of different interesting stories yeah told and written creatively fertile right now yes my god so if anything that's this is the golden age this is like to comics what i would uh compare the golden age of tv like during the during the Mad Men Breaking Bad sort of, you know, sliver of time, I think Game of Thrones had, it was a season or two in too. So like that was that and it's still going on, but there was a really good period of TV before yeah. everybody decided to make TV and comics. I, I just feel like is still in that. Right well, now. and part of that is, I mean, wow, what an interesting way to jump off that. Well, it's part of that is the distribution method. And I think we had that yeah. golden age of TV right before we went totally streaming. You know, I remember those first couple of, seasons of game of thrones where you could not just stream it from an app right and yeah had to go pirate man, bay, all that stuff. i hated pirating that shit in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah uh, get your down your your three gigabyte download going that's uh, right god i did that up until season three season four I think yeah or season four because then or amazon the, started selling them as as uh episodes right by the next monday yeah yeah um i the same with mad men like the year i unsubscribed from cable i i did that thing where you could order the season in advance you know and then every week it would you would just have oh yeah episode, you know when did um, you cut the cord officially i've always wondered this about you 2011 oh so you're coming on eight years yeah um i mean it doesn't seem like a big deal to me it's just i have like apartments where i don't like i don't have a big tv i've never owned one so yeah, but it's just that idea. I mean, I remember my first time, I and mean, mine was sort of largely by circumstance too. Like I was going to an apartment where there wasn't any Comcast. There was like a yeah. direct TV 
TV subscription and then like internet line. And I was like, well, shoot, I've been downloading a bunch of stuff. This is, you know, uh, Apple's or iTunes uh, video store was still very new at the time. Yeah. It was 2006, 2007. Um, but I was like, you know, I'm, I'm either pirating a lot, downloading a lot, or I'm just buying DVDs. I'm just you know, trading for a lot of DVDs. So I'm just going to yeah. not have cable. And it was like, at the time, I remember just personally going, wow, am I going to, will I survive in this new environment? <laughs> and I, not only did I survive, I was like, oh God. And every, anytime so I'm around better. it, well, yeah, I'll go home and like my parents will still have cable. I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> like, what is this? I, I the, the show's just going on already. Like I have to. We have to be done, done with dinner by a certain time <laughs> so that we can all sit down and like watch this in silence. Yeah. What those, weird... those ancient days. Appointment, appointment video. Appointment. I mean, I used to, good Lord, I oh, used to God, be a, a disciple of appointment radio. It's like, oh, I can't leave the car until the song is over. I may never <laughs> hear it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah those were the days yeah uh whereas in this amazing modern age yesterday i thought man i really want to see captain marvel again if i could download uh -huh. it right now i would do that and i woke up this morning with an alert from google captain marvel now available to buy <laughs> and purchased it in my bed <laughs> <laughs> surprised i didn't just purchase it for you and go is the, know. like you wanted ready? this i i well i i'm so stupid i never pre-order those things and then i always buy it for five dollars more on the day of release because yeah. when it's a pre-order i'm like nah, you know i'll see how i feel about it in three months and then yeah inevitably so you, i'm like yeah i want to see it again you really did like captain marvel that much oh yeah huh. well we'll see <laughs> yeah so I only did see it once in the theater. I'm really um, wondering if that holds up in a different way for me on TV, like on a smaller yeah. screen in my living room versus the movie theater. I'm gonna, I'm thinking it might, and maybe where you can break up that viewing. Yeah, but it had sort of a quality. I strange, strange, but but uh, related tangent. I was watching Gods of Egypt last night. It's free on the Roku channel. If you've got Roku and you're like, oh, I want to see what that is, go really get Gods that. of Egypt. It is the starring vehicle for, is it Nicholas Wall? Nicol Nikolai. Nikolai. Uh, the guy who plays Jamie. Foster Waldo, yeah. Yeah. Um, came out like two, three years ago. It largely remembered for the controversy of all the Gods of Egypt not being of any Middle Eastern or Egyptian descent. Yeah. All a bunch of crusty white guys, largely British. <laughs> yeah. Bigger. What, what, is that not accurate? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's accurate. It's very accurate. Although, no, I mean, to the to the actual gods of Egypt. Oh, I don't know. No, that's no. I, Weren't no. they old, crusty British men? Probably, probably, probably. Um, I mean, like Jeffrey Rush is raw, for God's sake. Like that, just the dude who played Captain Barbosa in Pirates of the Caribbean is raw in that's Gods right. of Egypt. Now, reason I bring this up, I was watching it about. 10 minutes in, I'm like, man, these effects are dog shit. Yep. Until you go, wait a second. If this were a made for TV, like sci fi, you know, channel sci fi made for TV movie, this would actually be pretty great. Yeah. And I, I just, and from that moment on, I just kind of watched it under that sort of condition. Like, hey, this was literally made to be a TV movie maybe like five or six years ago. So, like, you know, when effects were a little bit wonkier. But yeah. if you watch it like that, it actually, it's actually pretty enjoyable. Like there's even clear moments where you're like, oh, this is where a commercial would have gone. You know, like <laughs> I, that is what, God, that's what like sort of movie, the movies should be cranked out like that for TV or for streaming or something. And movies like Sharknado should just die. Like Sharknado's, yeah. I mean, you, you, I would have shared your assessment. If I had seen the graphics in gods of Egypt, I would have said that's dog shit too. But when you see Sharknado, like that's literal dog shit. Yeah. I mean, th those effects are 
awful. And to me, I can't get past how shitty it is like uh, in order to enjoy the campiness of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I would totally enjoy gods of Egypt. If it were just showed up one day on Netflix, I would, I would love that. Well, and I thought, man, here, and it was, I think sponsored by all states. So like maybe three times during the movie, it would sort of pause. And then you'd see like an all state, like bumper for a, a minute and that's it. Oh, this and is so, a Roku thing. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of the perfect outlet for like movies like this. It's like, Hey, we'll get, well, you know, the licensees or the studio will get paid, you know, a bulk sum for Roku to basically, you know, Roku brings in a, a sponsor partner. It's like, Hey, you're yeah. sponsoring this movie, just you. So it's not like there's multiple yeah. commercials like one, one thing Roku can host it for free. So it's like these, I mean, those kinds of movies actually could have a, a longer lifespan or a more renewed lifespan. All this to be said, I'm not comparing it in any way to Captain Marvel directly. I am just saying yeah. aspects of Captain Marvel felt like they were more suited for like, hey, this was made for this was made for Netflix, right? Or this was made for Disney Plus. It's like a Disney Plus movie, um, just because it had sort of a smaller, uh, you know, less grand kind of feel to it than a, a you know less operatic than at some of the other Marvel movies I'd like. Hmm. I, Ant Man to some degree does that too, but Ant Man's a very different kind of movie. Yeah. What anyway. about uh, – I'm wondering if your feelings on mortal engines are exactly the same as those on Gods of Egypt. Would that no. have been more entertaining on no. TV? No. It's 100% just- no because in in mortal engines, the effects are amazing. The production oh. like the production design, gorgeous. So much of it, you're like, God, what a beautiful movie. The story is utterly worthless. <laughs> like The story is so – just – I mean the characters are, are – Really? poorly haphazardly introduced you don't care just as you're sort of kind of caring about one in comes another one and like they treat it like it's you know this badass legendary character that you've been waiting for i'm like i don't even know who this is and they just kind of <laughs> like and then just and then that person dies and then someone saves that person who becomes kind of important and you're like i don't i don't know any of your names i don't care all i want to see is hugo weaving just doing whatever he's doing and he's kind hmm. of the the bad guy kind yeah. of and then more so I can't, um, I can't believe we got that from the team that brought us two and a half Hobbit movies we didn't want. And, uh, <laughs> team, but not director. Although I think the director was like the visual effects artist on like one of those Hobbit movies. So they're just oh, like, boy. hey, you'll be a director, kid. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I just I mean, the story is so – I mean, the, someone said the books are a lot better or the book is a lot better. So maybe it's, it's just a poor adaptation. But even still – well, the, the trailer that that movie first had, remember when um, that yeah. first trailer dropped? I'm like, holy crap, this is they're like from Peter Jackson. And I'm yeah. like, oh, this is original and new and interesting. And oh my God, a city's eating another city. And then you just kind of built up in your head what it might be. And just this just fails to do any of that, <laughs> any, any story. It's, it's like they have these amazing, it's like a rich parent who buys their bratty kid like the best toys and that yeah. kid gets home and doesn't really know what to do with them. They play with them kind of once. And it's like, it's the lamest playing ever. You go to your friend's house. They're like, Hey, we're going to play with our GI Joes. All right. And then mm. it's, just, it's the worst storyline ever. And you're like, dude, dude, you have these amazing things. What are you doing? Mortal engines. <laughs> well, uh, you said, uh, yeah, I should have I should have picked up the thread when you were you were comparing things to Captain Marvel, but I did not. But yeah. Captain Marvel uh, is part of the book that I'm talking about today. Good. Yes, we are talking <laughs> about books still, aren't we? That's right. We're yeah. Just- we talked about fantasy in our last episode, and then a few episodes ago was Avengers Endgame. Um, it just feels like it's been. Well, we did do Black Canary, and we did Thanos wins. You did Thanos wins before yep. Endgame, so it still um, feels like ages ago. 
I know. And then there was Shazam in between that. And then there was a Game of Thrones preview we ran one week and a summer movie preview. It's just we're not like back on the comic book uh, kick yet, but we will this summer. I think I think that's all we're doing. Right. Yeah. Like we're just yep. maybe we'll do a roundup of movies at the end of the summer. But yep. um, we have some really awesome books planned. And uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of books that I've sort of teased or have been kind of sitting on for a little while. They're coming. Same. Um, same. Yeah. Important stuff. Well, this is one that I have uh, not talked about, but it um, I was very happy to find it on Comixology Unlimited and um, because it was always one that I wanted to read. And this is the 2015, 2016, maybe 2017 run of a force. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is. Uh, uh, wow. I was going to try to situate it in the universe, but I don't have any earthly idea what Marvel was doing at that moment. Well, um, it is an Avengers title. It is Avengers adjacent for sure. Yes. It is um, a, an all female team. And, uh, yeah, let me just get to the specifics. This was, uh, but I, I will talk about volumes one and two. Um, it was written, the first volume was written by G Willow Wilson and Kelly Thompson. Mm-hmm. And then Kelly Thompson <clears throat> was the uh, only writer credited on volume two. Uh, the first volume was illustrated by Jorge Molina and the second volume, the main arc in it was, uh, illustrated by Ben Caldwell. And then there's sort of this other arc that I'll get to. Um, yeah. Published by Marvel released in 2016. Uh, and why don't I hit you with the back cover? Yeah. <clears throat> a force reassemble exclamation point. Marvel's newest hero singularity has risen from the ashes of secret wars and entered the all new, all different Marvel universe. But will her allies from battle world remember her when she tries to put the band back together? Question mark. To combat the most fearsome threats from across the multiverse, Singularity summons She-Hulk, Captain Marvel, Dazzler, Medusa, and Nico Minoru to her side. They're a force to be reckoned with, but they'll have their work cut out combating the villainous antimatter! Exclamation point. Can Earth's mightiest heroes defeat this new threat without destroying the mystery woman who claims to be their friend? Question mark. Um, yeah, so that... All right, I that, got a question that, right out of the gate. Well, I was going to say that firm, what I was, what I was trying to figure out before that, that's the perfect, that sets you in the context. That's where the Marvel universe was at this moment. This is a book that came out between their remake or reboot or whatever the hell it was renamed secret wars. And then their mm-hmm. civil war two. So it's a book like sandwiched between two huge event books. Now, does that, does that already come packaged with a lot of, Oh God. Like is, does, does this presuppose you have to know anything about secret wars or any of these splinter universes or anything like this? Can you come into this completely cold? Yes, you can to volume one. Um, and there's a very confusing thing. Like when you look at it on Amazon or comiXology, wherever you see that description, uh, <clears throat> you know, where it's like this collects a force one through five plus Avengers number zero. And also secret tales of what, you know, it's like one of those books mm-hmm. where it's not just like a one through five or one through six. It's like, there's two other tie-ins that they've jammed into this volume. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, the one, the Avengers number zero that they jam in there, it, it, to- it was totally confusing. And it happens at the end of the a force run. So it's like the a force run. I felt like, yeah, Obviously, there's some history here that we don't totally understand. I don't totally understand. 
but I don't need to understand it in order to enjoy the story. Mm-hmm. And then I read that, <laughs> then it kind of falls off the, the rails because then that other issue comes later. And I'm like, wait, is this trying to explain what happened before this thing I already read? You know, I don't really mm-hmm. care about the prequel right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, just, just thinking about it right now, like what a difficult book to write, to sandwich it in between two big events. Um, and, and incorporate I, these characters. Give me the give me the roster again. Yeah, She Hulk, Medusa, Dazzler, Captain Marvel, uh, Nico Minoru, and then this new hero that came who out is, of Secret Wars. Who is Nico Minoru? So <clears throat> her name is um, her superhero secret name is Sister Grimm, and she's one of the Runaways. Okay. And this is the first time I ever read anything with her. Huh. All uh, right. Yeah, and she's she's very cool. In fact, they're all very cool. This is an I love the characterization of all of these people in this book. Like I just I think these characters are really well done and they they picked um uh, you know, I wonder if the creators had their their choice of like uh, of whom to put into this team, but they they picked, you know, five people who you know, they're all like they don't, they, there's like good chemistry there in that they don't get along. You know, She-Hulk is uh, used to being an Avenger and, and being sort of a, a leader in that team. And Medusa is the leader of the Immortals. Uh, isn't that right? Yeah. Like that, yeah. Or, no, um, uh, in humans. In humans. That's right. Right, right. And Dazzler is, you know, this X-Man who's kind of a punk. God, X-Man. What a dumb title. <laughs> X-Person. Um, <clears throat> and Captain Marvel is, uh, you know, the boss of space. And yeah. and then Sister Grimm or Nico is, you know, kind of like she's going through some shit. And she's <laughs> that's actually a, a reference in, in the comic book. She calls. Oh, really? That. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's just like a there's a funny thing where, you know, she hulks like I'm the boss of this team and and Medusa's like how can you even say that? I'm a queen. And and somebody turns to <laughs> Captain Marvel and it's like, "Well, what's your title?" And she says, well, "I'm the boss of space. I don't care about this." That's that's so great. Um and it's anyway, there's just that uh, you know, it's it's a forced camaraderie kind of book. Okay. Um so Singularity uh, appears to the Alpha Flight space station mm-hmm. and um, well, actually, I, I should back up. A weird energy being appears, and it and th- this being is made up of antimatter. And in classic 1980s throwback fashion, uh, they've named this bad guy Antimatter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the crisis on Infinite Earths, where you have Monitor and Antimonitor. Yep, yep. So this is Antimatter. So right when this being appears, um, this other weird being sort of teleports aboard the space station. And uh, that is this, it appears to be like a, a, a little girl, not a little girl, but like a girl, not not like a full-grown woman, um, sort of made of stars. Like she's her own sort of universe uh, that's shaped like, like a girl. Uh, mm-hmm. And she calls herself Singularity. And she seems to have this weird sort of space powers that conflict with antimatters and antimatter basically sees singularity as a threat. Doesn't understand why they both appeared in this dimension and wants to destroy her. So, but singularity has lived, I guess this is, comes from secret wars has lived on this battle world where there was sort of like either an alternate timeline or just purely different versions of these heroes that she was friends with. So she has appeared here. Like it's my friend, Carol Danvers. She will help me. And mm. Carol's like, who are you? Um, and 
so, but then when she sees antimatter and she, you know, there's like, she can feel this presence in her mind. She teleports to earth and finds, uh, uh, Jennifer Walters. So she Hulk and is like, Oh, my friend Jennifer. And, and she Hulk's like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) And then the, then the big being teleports itself to New York city and starts, you know, breaking buildings and stuff. And Medusa appears and she's like, oh, it's my friend Medusa. Medusa doesn't recognize you know. Th- so she's slowly figuring that out. Um, and I just, I told you before we actually pressed record, I, I had read two of these issues when they came out, mm-hmm. um, and just thought like, what a cool team up! Like, I, I love all these characters, and or, or I love some of these characters individually. I love She Hulk. Mm-hmm. I love uh, Dazzler. I love Captain Marvel. I didn't know Nico, and I just have a tend to have an unfavorable opinion about Medusa, but I didn't know why. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's because having your hair be your superpower seems dumb. Um, uh, <laughs> TV show didn't do her any favors either. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. I haven't watched yeah. that. Um, they cut her hair off in the TV. They're like, I loved it. Cause they're like, look at this, look at this, this, uh, this queen of the inhumans, her hair is her weapon. And then, I mean, no joke at the end of the episode, first episode, they're like, we're going to shave that hair off. And so they didn't, okay. they never had to animate it ever again. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, Oh, what a pop out. It's it was so ridiculous. I mean, just like from that moment on, you're like, all right, this is, they're not taking this seriously at all. I, I got, I got, I totally got past it. Um, you know, there's like sort of like when she first appears in the fight and she's fighting a being made of antimatter by wrapping her hair around it. I was like, what the hell is going on here? But then I kind of, you know, had this sort of throwback to like, oh, man, this is kind of like those old Fantastic Four books, you know, oh, yeah. in New York City. This thing is like kicking over cars and stuff. And they have these weird powers and they have to sort of figure out how to team up and defeat this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, what, what I had told you was I read these first two issues and and. It just didn't follow it. I guess I was picking up a lot of books. Also, after reading that back cover, I remember when this was. The all-new, all-different uh, Marvel, like when they rebooted that, that was when they made this big push for inclusion and diversity and uh, introduced uh, Jane Foster as Thor and X-23 as Wolverine and you know Miles several Morales. other... I'm sorry? Was Miles Morales part of that? I don't remember, but it was definitely like, I remember the, the women's push. Like they put women in charge of a whole bunch of books with women heroes. And, um, I was following at the time, like a couple of those other books and just wasn't, you know, it was like, I kind of had to make a choice and just didn't end up following a force. So, yeah. So I get into it, uh, over the weekend and I'm just like, I just blazed through it. Like it was like one of those hidden gems you find on Netflix or something and oh, yeah. you know thinking like I'll just watch this while I eat dinner or something and then you're just hooked and you watch the whole mm-hmm. thing and I was mm-hmm. then I I sped through that so fast I went into volume two and read that um and just the volume one I loved the crap out of it like I I thought it was uh that in contrast to Black Canary uh that we talked about a couple episodes ago this guided view was great, like mm-hmm. really cinematic, did a really great job of like, you know, here's a wide shot of space and then you tap and it would pull in on the, you know, the focus on one character or something. Mm-hmm. I did have to tap out a couple of times to see the layout of the page, but nothing that bothered me. Like, like Black Canary had some moments. If you go back to that episode where I was like, what am I seeing here? You know, why is this panel not related to the next panel? Yeah. And uh. this one is not like that at all it was just full of action. It was full of like space action in that way of um, 
I guess where I just don't have to worry about superpowers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> when it can be explained as like, oh, it's a weird space science thing. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like I mentioned, they, I just thought the character interactions were gold. Uh, and now, does that change substantially in volume two? So it's not so much that it changes. There's a, a um, what happens is Civil War two, which I've previously covered as it fucked up Mockingbird, <laughs> uh, Unstoppable Wasp. Um, I, I can't remember what other titles. I know those are the two big ones where I read them digitally and they insert a fucking Civil War two story in the middle of it and it irritates <laughs> the shit out of me. And, you know, like I, on this one, I, I do remember noting that Kelly Thompson wrote the Civil War II line. Yeah. And I know that she did a, I, I would say from what I read, she did a good job of like inserting her storyline into the Civil War II story. But I, at that point, just my, I just turned my brain off and I'm just like flipping through the pages like, okay, okay, get me to the end of Civil War II. And then it's like, there's a real abrupt change to this new arc. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And I'm so I'm flipping through that one and just did not care for half of volume two at the beginning of volume two, like the first two or three issues are illustrated by a different illustrator named Ben Caldwell. Um, and I freaking love volume one's art. It is very superhero-y. And a lot of yeah. times when I talk about superhero books that I like, uh, one of the things I like about them, like the Black Canary kicking and screaming is it's not superhero-y you know it's more rough around the edges and kind of indie comics looking mm -hmm. but this was like very superhero looking but i just loved it like it was it was like glamorous superheroes you know yeah and i and i thought it was well suited for the space aspect of it and all the sci-fi stuff mm -hmm. um i think ben caldwell was really suited for the story he's telling and i thought that story was was pretty cool too because it had it was still related to um uh, the first story it's like it was very a very well done like continuing arc you know you could read volume one close it put it away and not worry about volume two but you can also pick up volume two and the first three issues tell a story related to that one where you're like oh cool you know that's that's a neat little fallout that happened from that thing um which is actually how unstoppable wasp goes uh when you mm. get to volume two mm -hmm. but uh um after those three issues in Ben Caldwell style, it jumps style again for the civil war two stuff. And then the next arc. And that's what I just found like, Oh man, there's just no continuity of, of like vision in those, you know, and that is where these big two books really, really suffer. Like, yeah. if you, and, and I think it's specifically a Marvel thing okay. because I, I went back and looked at the notes that I made on black canary kicking and screaming. And I, you know, reminded myself that, I had said something like this was Annie Wu's book, but I still loved Pia Guerra's art, like on the few issues where she stepped in. And it felt more like I bet there's a scheduling conflict and Annie couldn't make it. So they subbed in someone that, you know, they uh, all approved of and liked and it it kept the continuity up. This one's like it just throws you out of the story. And this has got to be a Marvel packaging deal they don't want to just package five issues yeah. and give you a complete arc they want to give you six or seven issues that's great thanks this is why but this is why issues really, are garbage who cares yeah this is why i hate the uh third arc or the third sort of <laughs> season of wicked and divine because it was uh, exactly that yeah it went from it went from a very specific um artist team oh yeah 
And then that group took a break and they brought in like five guest artists, one for each, each issue of that, of that third arc. And, you know, one or two are, are pretty brilliant. The first two, like the first one is just so jarring in terms of like how cr- just mm. un- inappropriate it was for Wicked and Divine. And the fact that I didn't know this is what was coming. Yeah. So I'm sitting here just buying another issue going, okay. And then like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> what just happened? And yeah. then, um, so, and, and again, the, the, that whole arc just feels completely disconnected, unnecessary. And, and you're like, what this, you've got volumes one and two, which are brilliant. You, I fell in love with them exactly the same way. Like I grabbed volume one. I'm like, I'm, I'm through with this thing in a night. I just, I'm, I love it. So I can, I yeah. really do yeah. relate. Now, are you saying volume two is, is it like not worth having on your shelf or is it a necessary part of a, of a series? I would say if you, you know, what I, what I, well, the way I summed it up, I made a note on this actually was, you know, buy volume one. Great. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Looks great. You know, borrow volume two. <laughs> ah, got it. Or hunt down those three issues. Yeah. And and read Ben Caldwell's the the issues that he he drew and you know you don't need the rest. I but, like this framing: buy or borrow. <laughs> but having said that, even in Volume One, there's the problem of that weird prequel that they jam at the end, and there's this totally weird. And I don't understand if the you know, women creators at the helm of this book had any say in this or if Marvel like thought it would be funny or I just don't understand, but there's an Avengers story from like the seventies or eighties jammed into it. Um, So you finish the arc and then there's this totally out of left field, like old school, you know, that the bright, like CMYK colors and that dumb thing where there's no internal monologue. It's all said, (laughs) you know, where they like all the characters are saying this person with, you know, radiation is attacking me. And you're yeah, like, yeah, we, yeah. we all see that, you know? <laughs> um, and uh, show that, and tell comics, I like to call them. <laughs> don't, <laughs> it's not a, it's not a uh, show, don't tell. It's a show. Yeah. <laughs> show Do both. So, yeah. <laughs> why leave one out? What are these, some kind of handcuffs on me? <laughs> yeah, we all see the handcuffs, dum dum. Um, so it's this tale, like, it must be from the 70s. And it's, it's a Halloween issue, which you don't find out to the end. And it has to do with like Valkyrie appearing to the women of the, who are associated with the Avengers, but have never become official Avengers like black widow and wasp and uh, Scarlet witch. And so, yeah, it must've been seventies and how she says, all these men have oppressed you. And, you know, here's my origin story. I was a scientist who was, you know, never, the, the men just saw me as their secretary, but I was a brilliant scientist. And then this accident in the lab transformed me into Valkyrie. And now we are going to form our own anti-Avengers called the Liberators. And so it's this like weird militant, like feminist, you know, group. And when she lays out her case against the Avengers, I was like, actually kind of on board with this. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's, but then it's like a switcheroo. It's uh, she's actually an evil person who has cast a spell on these women who have all fallen for it. And I was uh-huh. like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't, what are you doing? This does not fit with the, uh, you know, sort of strong uh, uh, female team of a force that we just finished reading. It, it can, sort of makes them look like fools. You know, can I ask, is there a deliberate sort of, do they go out of the way to explain why this team is exclusively women or is it just never spoken of? And it's just, you just accept it. And then the book accepts it. It doesn't try to justify it. It's uh, 
it's not exactly justified. It's just laid out in exposition at the beginning where Valkyrie says, you know, these are the, she lists the grievances that the other characters should have with the Avengers uh-huh. and states it like, we are going to go defeat the Avengers and the Avengers are on this mission to protect someone in a freaking Halloween parade or something. <laughs> and the confusing thing is like, I think there's all these Marvel inside jokes there. Cause there's, there's all these like random towns people that don't introduce. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope that let's hope either the movies or the TV show never, or TV shows oh, never boy. get to that point where it's yeah. like, come on guys, there's a parade. There's just no, I, you know, so there's like another goofy seventies, like, switcheroo moment there where all the townspeople are dressed like villains because the actual Avengers are in their parade. <laughs> I'm sorry. So then, wait, 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 wait. So then guess, guess what happens? <laughs> uh, before, pause on that because, yeah. because it, going protecting somebody in a Halloween parade sounds like what the local, like the, like that one kid in your town who like really wants to be a superhero, but has no physical abilities, money or like, but they kind of just, they still pr- really pretend they're one or they really want to be one. That's the kind of thing they'd come up with. Like, Oh, this is, is my act of all like all, local yeah. heroism will be this. And then that's yeah. an Avengers. I it just, is the most Barney Fife. Yes. Yes. Like a super. And for some reason, like I think all too common in the seventies, you know, like let's just have a goofy issue where, you know, anyway, whatever that that's off track. So it's difficult for me, even I, although I said by volume one, I do yeah. think that first arc is amazing, but um, I it just, you know, I don't know if you, you might want to pick it up and check out the last two issues included in that arc and then, you know, decide whether or not to actually buy or borrow. But uh, I, I definitely think this book should be supported in whatever way it can. Um, of course it was canceled um, just like so many of those uh, all new, all different Marvel titles, you know, or the men just came back in and took over whatever it was, uh, you know, the unworthy became worthy again, et cetera. Um, but uh, so you don't really get a good closure on the group. Um, another way in which I just think creator owned titles that are on indie comics are, are just so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I think those creators are, are so much more inclined to say, you know what, let's just wrap this up in a satisfying way and end the book rather than uh, limp along with new creators or, or, you know, switch somebody out or whatever. I just, you'd think that with all the active data and even just sort of you know passive data you get from being just a, a consumer about image, about boom, about some of these, uh, you know, these amazing indie titles that are selling very well. Um, Dark Horse, you know, of course, Dark Horse is even worse because that is a subsidiary of a big two. Yeah. And you think they'd figure out like, oh, like we should maybe start to run these big two properties the same way. Yeah. And to some extent you get it with you know, the, the Batman Elsewhere's, Elsewhere books. You know, all of the DC Elsewhere stuff usually functions correctly. It's like they all work like indie I, you know, any picks or any indie series. I don't know how, I don't know if this still rings true, but I, I always, you know, I mentioned this on other episodes. I can't help but think about this comment I heard many years ago, which was that, you know, Marvel is obsessed with continuity, which makes yeah. it like a fan's paradise because everything will always like somehow fit into continuity. I mean, it'll be retconned like crazy, but it'll, <laughs> they'll make it fit. Whereas DC is, is uh, not as concerned with continuity, which makes it like a creator's paradise. Like if you come in and pitch a white knight to them, they may take you up on it and just run it. Which is so know? funny because the movie universes mirror that 
right? Yep. Oh, like, totally. Like, and, and, and that's where DC's now, made their biggest mistake is like trying to imitate Marvel. Like, if yeah, they would just be a creator's paradise. Now, finally, well, they're yeah. now. I mean, we're getting that yeah. with like the last Joker, and, yeah. Joker, the Wonder Woman. I mean, Wonder Woman as it, it is what it is. I'm I'm guessing the one uh, the 1984 movie is going to have a very different aesthetic for that time period, oh, yeah. even though it's still um same director so it's that'll be really yeah. cool to see so this idea that they don't all have to you share the same you know production design team yeah. that every other movie shares a la marvel that's why you get those angular costumes that i yeah. loathe so much but yeah the comics you yeah at the same time though then dc does try to do some of those those things in continuity again with batman and all well, and you're just like Ugh. it's it's i think the problem that marvel's having now is that they are not responding to the what we brought up at the beginning of this show which is that we are in this like creative like paradise right now yeah. for i guess I, I don't know what it's like to be a creator in that world but as a consumer it's so awesome for me to be able to pick up a book written by g willow wilson and kelly thompson and go, holy shit, this is amazing. Like I always, this is such a great thing that I could never have thought of that I even wanted, you know? Yeah. Like they're delivering a thing that I want, but didn't even know it. It's like an iPod or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Here is like a team up of these five people, you know, one of whom you had negative feelings about, a couple of them you didn't know, and two of them you liked. And like, watch how this chemistry works. And it's like, oh, that's such a genius idea. Let it run for eight issues. And then stop it. Don't try to tie it in anything. Don't try to like be funny about it with like some, you know, throwback from the seventies in the packaging. Like don't do any of that shit. Just make it like a Wilson and Thompson book period and put out those eight issues. And I just, I don't see Marvel like responding to that in their commercial aspect. You know, it's like, I don't get why, but, but if you're a, you know, because I think if you're uh, not to, malign teenagers or something but if you're but if you're of that age or mindset or something where the actual creators don't matter to you so much as just the the story and the continuity this is probably a goldmine because you're like oh how cool i get two extra issues that have extra stuff it's like dvd extra but for me it's like ah i would just rather have like the the story told by the the creators you know where the art is all uh, see it's it funny sense it, stuff. it's funny because that is what i consider continuity that the right. story that exactly. the art and the story and the vision uh, the team is is continuous through yeah. the project like i that is what it should be not the not the fact that there's a sprawling you know, epic being told you know like by the fates of greece or something like over the over the years and it all fits together yeah. somehow it's like that's yeah that's impressive in theory but my god like all these yeah. individual stories kind of need to stand on their own too, I would think. Cause the dazzler dazzler has a little, uh, like her, her, the shit she's going through is clearly related to other stuff that's gone through in the Marvel universe and where that character is at that moment. She joins a force, yeah. but these writers handle that in such a delicate way where they're able to take this other story of the Terrigen mists or whatever that was killing mutants. There's something about how the inhumans. Oh yeah. The Terragenesis. Whatever that is, yeah. And what's interesting, I know, I know something about that because that intersects with um, uh, Infinity Watch. Not Infinity Watch. What's the one? Oh, right. Shoot. The, the one. Thing, the book I, the Hickman book uh, that I I reviewed. Um. Oh God. I'll yeah, come up again. Shit. It was in a um, previous episode. I should have yeah. it. Uh, have it. And anyway, that's that Terragenesis um, uh, experiment or whatever that side yeah. story does overlap there too. So, and I I even noticed speaking of those books. 
the overlap where where you knew there was like a bigger thing going on, even though they didn't like explicitly call out like, hey, this is an offshoot of of this story. Yeah. Just kind of you're like, wait a second, this they're speaking about they're speaking like I should know what they're talking about. So I'm guessing this is like Civil War II or something like that. Yeah. It does distract, especially right. if the stakes of that other thing are either are either bigger or made to feel more important than the thing you're reading right now. Right. And what, like, yeah, <laughs> ahead, and what, what I was going to say about how they've handled it is that it's it's handled more of like <clears throat> a personal backstory for that character that she gets to share a secret with someone else on the team. Like, don't tell them that this is what's happening to me, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it it raises the stakes for that character. Yeah. Um, and they don't have to mention all the other stuff. So that to me, I was like, I don't even know what this is. But that's really interesting. Like, that's cool. It was explained in a really succinct way. You know, it's like Dazzler kind of brushes it off too. Like, I don't know. Some people are leaving Earth to try to fix this, but I can't do that. It's whatever. You know, and I'm like, fine, that's enough for me. But then when you get to the end of that arc and they just jam in a Civil War II episode, you're like, what are you doing? Like, you could have mentioned those events in a way that would stay in continuity and not just like rip me out of the theater. You know, I mean, it's... I don't know. Like you, you're exactly right. Like the, the, uh, the movies do mirror this aspect. And I would say that's probably the problem with the TV shows Mm -hmm. is that those Marvel TV shows, they'll have half a good season and then they'll rip you out of it with some dumb, like sideways plot. And you're like, well, it's, you know, it's in continuity, but this is annoying. Yeah. I still have not found it. I think it's, it's the new Avengers slash something. I forget what the, the extension is. But uh, yeah, just look up like Hickman Avengers Illuminati on our uh, on our on our specific podcast. <laughs> yes, on our on our podcast. We'll come back to that. Well, it's not the Galactus one that you talked no, about. No, that's that, a different. Uh, that's a different one. My God, I'm this is this is ridiculous. Um, while I keep looking, are you uh, any other final thoughts? Um, you know, I, uh, any like if you like this, you will yeah. also like kinds of comments. Yeah, I'm afraid I, 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 we ended on too much negativity from me, but I mean, I just loved the main thrust of the story. Like it's full of action. It's really fun to see these women. It's female focused in this great way uh, where it do, it's not as um, deliberately like feminist as Mockingbird, like Mockingbird sort of throw twists a lot of, um, uh, sexist tropes on their head. You know, we talked about like how mm-hmm. there's like the beefcake character, you know, instead of the cheesecake character and stuff yeah, like that. And no. um, this doesn't do that. It just shows like, Hey, here's a, uh, you know, two women writers, here's an all female team. And then the like the side characters that they interact with are largely women, like on the alpha flight space station. And there's a scientist who assists them. And so all these women get like their great moments and stuff. Even Nico has like a sister who's getting married and Nico's been, you know, like sort of ostracized from the family and she's, but she's been invited to the wedding. And so she, you know, it's like, there's all these great sister moments without it being like a, 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 a real, um, statement piece i guess in that way it's like it's a statement piece just by doing its thing and that's also what makes that stupid 1970s issue so jarring in the middle of it is like jesus christ now you're (laughs) you kind of ruined the whole thing um but i really recommend that and i as short as it is in volume two that caldwell arc like the art that he did i think is so awesome Mm. and 
it's really fun and it's a, a weird little story that has like a bunch of magic in it as well as all the superhero stuff. And so mm-hmm. I just I, I loved that, too, that the first one was like a sci fi story and then it gets twisted into this magic story. And man, I yeah, um, I loved all that. I would say recommended if you liked uh, the current run of Domino or the run of Mockingbird um, that I talked about or the Unstoppable Wasp, which I think is back. But um, we talked about the the. 2015 2016 run on that i think yeah. maybe that was i think that was more recent it was like 2017 it was only eight issues but that those books um for sure like if you liked those uh pick this up i love it that's a force uh the first volume is called hyper time and um the second one is called rage against the dying of the light excellent yeah Woo. Uh, where can people find this podcast if they want to look up all those episodes where we're talking <laughs> about these other things? I'm still looking. I'm still looking, but you can you can look <laughs> uh, anywhere you find podcasts. Search for Panelism. Subscribe, share, tell your friends. Tell us what you thought in the comments or the reviews. It helps us get the word out and uh, helps the show succeed. You can also find us on Instagram. We are panelism.inc. That's panelism.ink. And that is actually also our URL, panelism.inc. It is, an, it is a domain extension. So yeah, not .inc.com, <laughs> just .inc. And Taylor uh, has been trying to come up with the title, New Avengers, Everything Dies. There we go. Everything dies because it does. You talked about it in episode number 65 of this podcast in which I talked about I Hate Fairyland Volume 2. Oh my God. Um, that's uh, weird Scotty Young tangent. Did you see his? Um, so he's a writer, uh, artist on I Hate Fairyland. Did you see his Instagram post this week where there is a Marvel art of Scotty Young, like a huge commemorative book coming out? What? No. Yeah. <laughs> it looks so awesome. Um, we have got to get on that and we've got to review his take on Oz. Maybe bring in uh, our friend. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. talk about an artist that just like his style is so distinct. Yeah, you know, we it's, love it's, him. It's, it's Will Eisner-esque in that respect that you're like, oh, you, there's no mistaking. Like you, you'll see it anywhere. Like that's a Scotty Young variant. Just you'll just know it. Um, yeah. But for that, that to be on Marvel is that's some of those characters will look great. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I, yeah. God, well, right. I, so I can't wait till the next time we talk about some comics. Uh, you've previewed a couple that you've got in the hopper for me, and I can't wait to talk about those with you. So until that time, until that time, we're out of here. <laughs>